First Timothy in chapter three, it talks about the house of God being the pillar and ground of the truth. Um, and it's kind of a weird thing to find in the New Testament because uh, we're very focused in the New Testament about us being the church, right? The church, uh, as we would say it in a modern way, we would say that, you know, the, the church is people. It's not a building and, you know, invest in other things. Don't invest in the building. But Timothy, Paul's instruction to Timothy here very specifically refers to the work of the local church in a local community, but that it is actually a building. Uh, Because I kind of had interpreted that scripture for the longest time as, you know, that we are the church in the community and us being the church in the community as people, that we are, our job as people is to go and express the truth out to the people that maybe don't know that stuff yet. Um, But then what we were doing is one of the scriptures that we use in our Connect program to help people to understand why is it that we invest a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, everything that goes into running uh, a building like this when we can just so easily get all of your, you know, cell phone numbers and text you out a couple cool texts every week and be done. You know, they can do that for free nowadays. And why do you do that? I mean, it makes sense. It just doesn't, we don't try to do things around here just because people do them. We really want them to make sense to us so that when we do what we do, we do it with great purpose and great intentionality. And that's kind of in that scripture, if you were to go home and get your concordance and look up that word house, it's the word oikos. And the word oikos doesn't refer to a group of people, it refers to a building, a place where people live. Either a palace or a tabernacle or a, you know, a, a place a physical place, Um, and it refers at the end of that then that it is the pillar and ground of the truth. And I'm thinking to myself, that's, you know, the Bible, God, is the pillar and ground of the truth. Why are we bothering with buildings and all of these type of things? But that scripture is talking about having a great presence in a local community, like an address. If I'm looking for God, where do I go? Yeah, that's good. And if you don't have that, like we don't have a Starbucks here in Fort Erie, yeah. but when yeah. I'm looking for, a, yes, praise God, when I'm looking for a place to go and have coffee uh, with a friend or, if, you know, whatever, we go find a coffee shop. If yeah. there was no coffee shop there, then we would go fishing or we would go sit in the yard or we would do something else. The reason that we go to a coffee shop is because the coffee shop is there. It's a good analogy for realizing that that's the normal way we think as individuals. And when there is a place in town that is focused on God, like that's where you go when you're looking for God, when you need God or when you want to learn about him or you want to get to know him, the automatic place to go would be God's house. That's good. And so when we are doing the things that we do, and it's extraordinarily expensive, as you know, to do anything when we're talking about 25,000 square feet of you know, airspace, it's very expensive. And so what becomes part of each one of our responsibilities is to buy into that, to grab the why of all of the people that are gonna drive by this building, and 30,000 people, shockingly, 30,000 people drive by this building every single day. 
And when we have that opportunity to be the house of God, to present God in the way we understand him to be, in a, in a beautiful, abundant, living, growing, effervescent kind of God that we serve, then as we express that, not necessarily in your words or my words, which perhaps they aren't listening for yet, but that they see it when they drive by it, when it has that flavor to it. And so I'm, and I'm gonna finish off my remarks by just a quick thing. I'm not gonna go through the whole teaching. I'd need all of these guys' times in order to really unpack <laughs> this for you. But it, it, when God was talking about this in the, in the Old Testament, um, if you look at the, do I have pens around here anywhere? When you look at the Old Testament, the te- kind of the Old Testament goes like this. It starts over here with Abraham. Can you all see that? And then Abraham's family goes up and up and up and up and up. And you see Joseph here in, uh, in his glory years. And then we know that there was this great collapse that happened. Moses, we meet Moses down here when the Israelites are now down in, in abject slavery before Pharaoh. But then Moses starts this whole journey of up and 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 up until we meet this guy, David, and his son, Solomon. But then what we see is after that season comes to pass, if you've read this section of your Bible, kind of a very busy, busy section of the middle of your Bible there, what happens after Solomon is it starts to decrease and decrease and the kings and divisions and the, everything, all, God, all David did here to unify the, king, the, the, the nation, then slowly but surely all of that sank and sank and sank and sank and sank until we meet this guy, how many of you remember Nebuchadnezzar, right? And his, pro, his protege, Darius, who by this time that we meet these kings, the nation of Israel has been completely taken over. They are now slaves. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you know Daniel in the lions, we're doing some of these old stories for you. That's in this season right here. They're at their lowest, where's lowest? They're at their lowest point now in this spot when we meet this guy, Haggai and a bunch of the other minor prophets that we hear about at exactly this time. God sort of zeroing in a whole bunch of, you know, the Nehemiahs and the Esthers and the, I mean the uh, Ezras and the Haggai, all of these guys are all lumped into this area down here when Israel is at its worst. Life couldn't be more tragic in the Israelite nation at this point. God, if you go and read Haggai, super short book, two pages. One page if you got super small writing. But the whole point of the, the prophetic voice of Haggai is to talk to the people about God wanting to bring this enormous restorational season And we're thinking, okay, God's going to give them some great prophecy about the word of God, about the, the, the Israelite nation and the power. Now, you know what he talks to them about? He says, you need to fix my house. He says that the house of God is rubble on the ground. I got thinking to myself, what are you talking about, God? These guys are slaves to Nebuchadnezzar, slaves to Darius. They have no national identity. They are scattered abroad throughout everywhere at this point. And God says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to fix my house. And I'm thinking to myself, God, that has got to, how did these people even hear that? 
what are you talking about? Go build a building? But if you take that, if you take it now, you read at the end of it, God actually challenges them. And he says, you know what's been going on with you guys? You've been planting and you plant and expect there to be 10 bushels and there's only five. Maybe you got those five and you put them in the barns and the mildew got them and the rats got them. And every every time you go there, you try to get stuff to work so that you can build your process of going back up the hill. Because you need, if you're going to do it, you got to prosper. If you're going to do it, you got to have some successes. And they're saying, God's saying, look at what's been going on all around you. It's just been falling apart. And then you try again, it falls apart. You try again, it falls apart. You try again, it falls apart. And he says this, he says, consider your ways. That sounds like a pretty challenging thing. Like somebody's point, God's pointing his finger at us, but he's not saying that. He's saying, guys, you're just not doing it right. You're too busy doing uh, uh, something that you do need to do, but you haven't done the first thing yet. You haven't driven a lightning rod into the ground yet because if you put a lightning rod into the ground when the when God's presence comes it finds the lightning rod and it drives its power down into the earth that's a natural example of it and what he's saying what God is saying to the Israelite nation here is when you are looking for that restorational season like we are in a world that has now become completely saturated in godlessness and liberalism and all of those type of things that have just gone with philosophies of men the world has gone crazy. We're in exactly the same spot. 100 years ago the kingdom ran the world. Now we're in a place where we need God to do some, ma- just like what, what he was talking about here. And then God shows up on the scene. He doesn't write a new book for the Bible. He says, I need you to fix my house. Yeah. If you fix my house, and then if you go into chapter two there, he, he, just, he says, you can mark this day. It was a December. And Israel is in the Northern hemisphere like us. And so their seasons work like our seasons and uh, December is winter to them, not as cold, but it's winter to them. And so this was a time God talking to them when all of last year's miserable harvest was in the barns. Whatever was left is in the barns. And he says, now you can mark this day when you decided to set the foundations of the house of God, you can mark it from this very day that from now on, everything that you will do is blessed. Amen. And it's like, honestly, how, how, uh, spiritual people, how do we get so tangled up in these natural things? Like refreshing the, the curb appeal of a building. Can I tell you something? When God has the ability to be the prime actor in town, When he has the best house, when he has the highest house, when he has the biggest house, there's something like a lightning rod that happens. Lightning always hits the highest piece in town. And so when you are dealing with that natural example of the power of God going into an area, he says you can try all you want to make stuff work, but if you don't start from this position, putting God at the beginning of the equation, then no matter what you try out here, 
that thing is going to experience all kinds of trouble simply because God hasn't been put into the right spot. When we are doing what we are doing today, it may seem like this is very natural. It may seem it's very fleshy, very carnal. We're just fixing the front of a building. But what we're actually doing is doing the very best that we can possibly do to make God's house the most visible, the most exciting, the most alive, the most vibrant place in town. And every one of us being used as part of that to, in order to accomplish that objective. And so as we're doing it, we're realizing there may be a natural thing we're gonna do today, yeah. but what we're really doing today is we're setting in motion the restoration of what God has been planning to do yes. since all of this started way back in the beginning. Does that make some sense to everybody? Yes. Praise yes. God. So good. Amen, amen. That, that was like enough right there. I feel like, why am I even sitting here? That was like, that's enough for me to take right there and be like, wow. Okay, I'm gonna speak really, can I do the pastor thing where I go, this is not my time, this is my intro. And then I start with the thing, okay. I'll talk really fast, guys. You know, I like to talk fast just because I, I got something I just wanna say real quick. Um, okay, so, um, hi, good morning. Um, I, I, I have, I have a, a something for you, I have a question for you, and it's probably not the question that you think I'm gonna ask. So, uh, how many of you guys like to go out to eat? Anybody? Come on, yeah, yeah, two hands, yeah, that's me, right? And I'm sorry to bring up food this early right now, I know this is the part in the service where everybody starts thinking about food and you're probably already planning what you're doing after this and that's okay. So I'm sorry to bring this to the forefront of your mind, but I really like to go out to eat. I really like to go out to eat. Um, I would say I love to go out to eat, but I try to save that word for Jesus and my family. So I'm gonna say I really like to go out to eat and uh, I really like to go out to eat, not because Kylie is a horrible cook, um, Kylie is, Kylie is, an, she's an amazing cook. She, Kylie, she, you know, yeah, give it up for Kylie. She, she's white and English, but cooks like she's black and Italian. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how, and that's a good thing. And, and so, and so, yeah, that's an amazing thing. And so she can cook. And so it's not about that, but the reason we like to go out to eat, um, there's a, especially when we travel, um, uh, you know, that just different cultures and different foods and things like that. And so, um, so yeah, so we go out to eat all the time. Now, this, there's this funny thing that we do, and this, this all ties into this, uh, that, that I do when we go to eat, and, and, and this is a good tip. This is so good, I feel like I should be charging you for it, honestly, but I'm going to give you my free tip this morning, and I promise you, every time you go to a restaurant, you're probably going to at least one of these times. This is going to come into your mind, and you can thank me later. So every time we go to, to a place, maybe not every time, but most times we walk into a new place. What I do is we, we walk in the door, and sometimes I do it before we even sit down at the table, and sometimes I go to the table first and do it after. But I navigate to the bathroom. Okay, now, the reason I navigate to the bathroom isn't because I actually have to go to the bathroom. Okay, so let's just get that out of the way. So I navigate to the bathroom, which sounds a little strange. Uh, okay, so I, I navigate to the bathroom, and, and the reason I go to, to, to find where the washrooms is, because... Uh, uh, and restrooms if you're American. Uh, the reason is the bathroom's like that dishonorable place that every restaurant kind of wishes it didn't have. You know, it's like that room that's like way back in the corner that they kind of like try to hide away that if legally possible, they would actually remove it from the establishment, but because of the law, they have to keep it there, right? It's kind of like that room um, in your house, not your bathroom, but you know, you'll know the room when people decide to come over real quick and you haven't had time to clean and pretend you're perfect, you're actually human. So you have that one room where you put all your junk real quick. Yeah, you like you got the room too, right? Yeah. yeah, you put all your stuff there because you know they're coming over, so you shove it all in that room and they come, they come over, oh, hey, can I have a tour? And you're like, absolutely, except you can't go 
in that room, right? And they respect that because they also have that room and they know exactly what is in that room. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? I got that room. Our room is, that's it. And uh, I'm not telling you where mine is in case you come over. But anyway, so we, we all got that room. So the bathroom is kind of like that room. And uh, anyway, so, so I, 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 go to, I go to the bathroom and, and, and here's the point of this, okay? And so, so catch the point. The reason I go look at the bathrooms is because oftentimes, maybe not all the time, but oftentimes the quality of the kitchen is reflected in the condition of the bathroom. The quality of the kitchen is reflected in the condition of the bathroom. If they are keeping a room a certain way and they know you're going to see that room, what are they doing in the room that they know you can't see? Uh huh. Now, maybe this isn't right. I don't know. Maybe this is horrible to do, but this is, this is how human beings work. We judge what we can't see by the things that we can see. Now, don't, and, and, you know, and don't tell me you don't do it because I know when you look, look, if you're going out to eat, I promise you, you do this. I promise you, you'll catch yourself. And now you will. Lord, remind them. Okay. When you go out to eat and you haven't eaten somewhere before, the, what you say is you're looking, you're like, that looks like a good place to eat. That looks like it could be good because you are making a hundred assumptions about what's happening inside, the way the food tastes, everything based on literally just the presentation of the building. You are making an assumption that the food is good or horrible based on the establishment's appearance. That is how humans work. And that is exactly what people are doing when they're driving by this building. And if you caught yourself, you probably did it too. Now, some of us came before it looked so nice. I'm not saying it looks horrible right now because it looks amazing, but some of us came at different times. But I bet if we took a poll, some people drove around town and they said, okay, there's a couple churches here. That one looks nice. Let's go see what's inside of there. Because you're making an assumption about what's happening inside. People don't know the worship's great. People don't know what's being preached oftentimes. They don't know uh, all the wonderful things that are happening in here or even God, they are basing everything based on what they see in that 30-second window when they drive by this street right here. Now, I just want to interject one more thing really quickly right here. Um, I'd like to interject, uh, let's call him Mr. Hypothetical, because I know it's not going to be anybody here, so we'll use Mr. Hypothetical. So Mr. Hypothetical may be somewhere else listening to this right now thinking, well, that sounds like a great idea, but um, actually, what happens, uh, the church looks pretty good already, and all the things seem in order, why don't we just take all that money and give it to the poor, because that seems like the best thing to do. I don't know why Mr. Hypothetical sounds like that. That's just, uh, (laughs) he has a weird voice because he has a weird perspective. I don't know, that just came out. So anyway, that's Mr. Hypothetical. So Mr. Hypothetical decides he's going to do that. Well, I just want to reference a quick story in the Bible that actually talks about the same thing. We have this character named Judas. We don't like to talk about it too much. But Judas had the same idea as Mr. Hypothetical. If you remember in the book of John, Jesus is going to meet, uh, he he has a a supper and he has Lazarus who he just raised from the dead with him. He has Mary, he has Martha, and they're all sitting around together. And you remember this is the place where, where Martha comes with, the, the, it says the pound, so that'd be 12 liquid ounces of very costly oil. The Bible says spikenard, and she breaks it, and she anoints Jesus' feet, and she wipes it up with her hair, and Judas is like, freaking out because he's like, we could have sold that money and gave it to the poor, but Judas didn't actually care about the poor. Judas was the guy who held the treasure box, and he wanted to rob it afterwards. <laughs> So anyway, so Judas had the same great idea. Now, now, now here, here's the thing, though, okay? So it gets really crazy. Now, here's the thing about Judas, okay? Oftentimes, the reason, the, reason, the reason Judas did that and the reason that we, Mr. Hypothetical, sorry, does that is because Mr. Hypothetical doesn't understand the difference between the, uh, the glory and the honor that God is worthy of. 
We measure oftentimes what God is worthy of by our standard of, it's good enough. You ever said that? It's good enough. That's like a North American thing. It's good enough. It gets us by. It's good enough. But can I, let me just interject this right here. If Jesus, Jesus didn't reject that. Jesus accepted that extravagance. Can I tell you something? If Jesus accepted the extravagance for the burial of the Lord, how much more for the resurrection, the resurrection church, the resurrection bride, the resurrection power. Last time I checked, my God paved his streets with gold. You know, maybe Mr. Hypothetical might make it into heaven and he says, well, Lord, I did a cost-saving analysis and maybe we could uh, save some money by making the roads out of aluminum foil. It does the same thing. It reflects and we could do it well. No, because God's like, no, 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 no. God's the God who has all the precious gems of the world around his gates and his throne sits on high and it's surrounded by cherubim and angels and he created all these things and and, 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 and his extravagance is to the extreme and God is trying to call us up to his level because when we go up to his level, our lives raise with it. This is an opportunity for God to raise us up to where he is and if your perspective is wrong like mr hypothetical you might be just thinking this is another money grab to make the church look better who cares it already looks pretty good absolutely wrong we have to jump on this is a critical moment where god is giving us an opportunity as a family to come together and to pull ourselves up to the extravagance of, the, of god to make ourselves a lightning rod for the city for the region and they will say i don't know what's happening right there i would love it when they say fort erie forget the racetrack forget the whatever coming track and all that stuff they go oh yeah fort erie that's where that awesome church is you know that big church with all the stuff, with all the people, where lives are changed, where we see miracles and healings, and by the way, we love the poor too. I'm not using Judas's example to try and say that, forget the poor, because this ministry does an amazing job with those who are less fortunate, but what I'm saying is that God is calling us up right. higher. Hey, come on. Yes. The thing that I love about what you're saying is, is that it's not about one person. You know, we talk so much about this concept about being, but that we're better together. And that's true. When we talk about community and how we're so much better together. I, I was also thinking about this concept that not only are we better together, but we are so much stronger when we are together. Yeah. But you know, can I make a confession this morning? You know, I don't always feel strong. I don't always feel strong. And I've realized as I've walked through my life that there's a lot of stuff that I'm not amazing at. And it's so funny how the enemy tries to point out in our lives how our areas of insignificance and insufficiencies. He points out other people's strengths, things that other people are good at, other people's money, other people's stuff, other people's talents. And when an opportunity comes like this, where, like what Tim is saying, we're given this amazing opportunity to be a part of the future what God is doing. Because the enemy is so quick to point out our areas of insufficiency, we so quickly can count ourselves out because we see what we don't have rather than what we do have. I've realized that what God is doing can't be built on the shoulders of just a few, but that God is asking for the many. It's like an example is this cup, okay? This is a great cup. It's a beautiful cup. I mean, this cup has got money. It's got stuff. It's got nice cars. It's got nice things. But if you try to support everything that God is trying to do in the future on this one cup, realize this cup alone can't withstand the pressure or the force of what God is doing. Because you see, God was never looking for just one person. God was never looking to have the work that he's trying to get done to rest on the shoulders of the few 
who we sometimes feel are the ones that God is looking for. You see, not only are we better together, but we're stronger together. You see, I believe that what God is looking for us to do is, is the power that happens when we just simply come together. When you take all of our weaknesses and all of our strengths and all the stuff and everything that some of us are good at and others of us aren't, say a prayer for me, people. <laughs> when you simply take all of our stuff and put it together, all of a sudden, we have the strength to withstand what God is desiring to do. You see, this is what today is all about. Today is not about the few. Today is about the many. Today is not about what some of us can do. Today is about what collectively all of us can do together. And what God is looking for us to do, now don't get me wrong, some of us God has anointed to do certain things and some of us have strengths in certain areas, but all that God is looking for us and the way that God is looking for us to respond this morning is simply to give to him the best that we have. Because you see what happens when this work rests on more shoulders than just the few, is that all of our strengths begin to become combined. Because this is, I believe, what the Apostle Paul talks about when he talks to us about the body of Christ. In that, every joint, the Bible says, supplies that each and every one of us have a strength. Each and every one of us have a purpose. And so often when we count ourselves out of what God is desiring to do, we rob the body of the strength that we have to give it. And so when I simply just engage, maybe your engaging looks like a million dollars, or maybe your engagement looks like one dollar. What God is looking for us to do is not, he's not judging us based off of a dollar amount. Because you see, this isn't just coins and cash and checks. These are lives. What God is asking us to do is buy into not just raising up an offering, but can we believe that what God is doing in this house can actually affect a city? You see, that maybe it's realizing that the offering and the money that I'm going to put into this offering to begin to beautify this work, it's not just about that hundred dollars that I'm putting in. But it's an answer to prayer for that person who's sitting beside you, their son or their daughter, their neighbor that they're believing God for. And your strength is the supply to see that person come into a relationship with Jesus. You see, what this is, is so much beyond just an offering. God is asking that we would give our best because there's lives. There's people whose hearts are at stake, people who are crying out and desperate to experience and be a part of what God is doing. And the simple way that we invite them is that, like what Tim is saying, is that we create an environment where people feel free, where people feel invited, they feel engaged to be a part of what God is doing. And so I'm gonna invite the ushers to come up right now. We're gonna distribute some offering envelopes. And I believe this morning is if we could take a moment with just our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a moment of privacy and concentration. I believe that God is asking each and every one of us to step in and add our strength to what God is doing. Because you see, maybe you can give a lot or maybe you can just give a little. It's not so much about the amount what we're looking for is the strength that you have to give. You see, God is simply just asking for our best. And so let's just ask that. Holy Spirit, what's my portion this morning to give?
Because you see, this is what today is all about. There are families, mothers, sons, daughters. I had this thought as I was preparing myself, what would I give if it was the difference for my child? What would I give if it was my friend or my neighbor that was lost? And this morning, the response is simply what God is asking is that we would do our best because alone, we can't do it. We don't have enough. We're not strong enough. But together, we have everything that we need. Rob Siltanen said it like this. The people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are always the ones who do. Can I share something I didn't I know that you were going to be sharing on that today? The Lord spoke to me um, maybe about a month ago, maybe a little longer. How many of you heard the news that, the, that a part of the Notre Dame building, the historical Notre Dame building in France burned down? Uh, this was maybe two months ago or three months ago. Yeah, that's and right. the Lord spoke to me, uh, a, a billionaire <clears throat> took up uh, upon himself to give $100 million to rebuild Notre Dame. I don't know if you heard about that. And the Lord talked to me about how the difference of what's going to happen to that building. Because the original building was built upon the unified work of the body of Christ that did it. And then the rebuilding is going to be just done by one person, just like you're sharing. And the Lord spoke to me about what we talked about here, about the unification. <clears throat> and how God, the, you know, when we unify together as a people... And our unified expression looks like the offering today, as opposed to if we just go to the bank and we'll just borrow money from the big, you know, the big, big person at the bank, and we do it all that way, that even though the job will look the same from the outside, Notre Dame will probably look nicer when they're done this time, but it will not have inside of it the right spiritual quality to it. That us joining together, unifying together as a body and determining that we are going to do this. Just like we did the first time when the original renovation was done. Every person was here with a hammer. Every person was here with their checkbook. Every person did their part. Then we did the roof and all of that went into that. Everybody, everybody doing the very best that they can to get that part of the project done. And now all of us joining together, not only in this part, but in all the whatever work needs to be done from here and divvying all those responsibilities out. What happens when we unify together, I believe, around that? It's like when I tell a husband and a wife, they always come to me getting married and they say, we never fight. And I say, then I need you to go lay tile together because you need to know you need to know how to fight, right? We need to know how as a body to come together and fight well together. And I think that's kind of what you're saying there. And let me also make an announcement to you. I don't know if you guys, uh, did they write the check? Did you, if you're writing a check, if, it's, if, you've done, if I missed the announcement, because we kind of went uh, over. Um, but I have an announcement for you, as I mentioned to you last week. We have finally got permission, the Light City Church Corporation, has now about three, uh, three months ago now, has finally got itself through all that it needs to get through in order for us to begin to market and do business as Light City Church. Even though we've had the name on the sign for quite a long time, you're not supposed to do that until you actually have all of your ducks in a row. And so anyways, we made it through that unscathed. 
but we're sort of ready now to begin that process of operating and doing business as Light City Church. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you're writing checks for these offerings, I'm going to encourage you to write those checks and we'll be depositing them into the bank account that is now Light City Church. So go ahead and write that on your checks. Um, and the other thing I wanted to tell you is, is that our design team has gone through and developed a new logo that we, because we've been working hard, we don't want to make sure that when we do start putting signs, be ready with that uh, imagery in the back, guys, so that when we do do the signs, you know, we can change logos all we want as long as we just have it on pieces of paper. But once we carve it into the building, uh, we want to make sure that the imagery that we are uh, putting forth is the imagery that's going to last for at least for a decent season. And so our design team, Jessica and Mike and the rest of the people, many of you are involved in that process of developing a new logo. Um, and the new logo really was built on, if you remember the light bulb that we started uh, Light City Church with, as you know, light bulbs are man-made things, right? That's our development of turning electricity into light. And so we wanted to still have that part of the imagery in there about the light bulb so we're not losing it. Um, but really we wanted to back ourselves up to the place where we're talking about the giver of light. Yes. And although there's a hard to get a picture of God, he, you know, I've looked on Facebook, he hasn't posted any. And so what we wanted to do is kind of go back to that original position of when we talk about light from its very source, how do we do that? Um, and so this imagery, go ahead guys, pull this new logo up on the board for them. So the imagery there is really more focused on the sun and really the resurrection day is what our focus is. Rather than looking backwards or looking to natural things, we're really focused on uh, the imagery that of the sun in there and the dawning of a new day. And I really believe that the, as we changed our name over to Light City Church and did all of that work, that it was really the beginning of a season, uh, the beginning of a new day and the, be the, the beginning of a resurrection season, not only for us as a ministry, for us as individuals, but also for what God is doing as he raises up an entire region Amazing. and lets his name be yes. The, the, yes. The, the foundation, his position be the foundation of that community. Yeah. And so these are the, we'd love you to weigh in on this stuff as well if you uh, desire to, uh, but this logo is pretty much gonna be now the, the operating logo for all of our websites and all of the promotional material that we move forward with as well as all that you see that goes on the buildings and all of that as it goes around so that people can really know that we serve the God who's the beginner of light. And to us on the natural level, that would be the sun. So I trust you're blessed by that, Tim. Can I share one, just one more quick thing? Um, just because you brought up the billionaire, God was actually speaking something to me when I was just putting together notes real quick. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say anything about that, God, unless, you know, just I want to make sure it's right. But you know that that billionaire who came into Notre Dame would have never been attracted to the project in the first place if it wasn't already a beautiful place to sow his money and, and, and worth saving. And I believe that, you know, sometimes we forget, we talk about billions of dollars and it's really hard to grasp, but we forget that the rich and the ultra rich are just as, as in need of Jesus as the poorest of the poor. And there are those people within this region. Can you imagine how it would transform the city if one billionaire got saved and he came into this to, the, to this ministry and decided to make his wealth a part of the outreach it would change the region and I, and I believe that's coming God doesn't work the way we oftentimes think that he that we think he does he could be setting us up just to attract the person he's been trying to attract 
it's like when you first, when I first met my wife, you know, I, I still remember the first time I saw her, the way that she was and, and dressed up and she had this black dress on and it was just like, when I saw her, I was like, wow. God could just be doing that for that reason. Who knows? Just, you know, so that, that billionaire says, wow, he has money. And he's like, this place looks, what's going on in here? You know, and so God, God just, you know, he says, my thoughts are, are, are not like your thoughts, right? And we know the scripture. So I just wanted to say that it's so wonderful to be able to just attach our faith to what is happening and just see what God does. It is impossible to sow without reaping in this way. It is impossible. Yeah. You don't know when it's going to come to fruition. You don't know when you're going to see it. But God says one thing's for sure. When we do so, we will reap Amen. and we will have the harvest. Amen. Go ahead. Proceed with it. Are you, uh, oh, are yeah. are you so, finishing? Yeah. Yep. Did everybody feel like we had time to give? Yes. Did everybody collect, did collect the offering? Oh, okay, great. Okay, so let's just, I just want to just take one second and let's pray over it. Because I believe that what God is doing in this moment, this is a solemn moment of transition. I kept um, hearing the Lord say, just as we're preparing for this day, that it's time to start a new chapter. And I believe that this is what God is doing with our money and our, our offerings and our strength that we're giving. What God is doing is he's taking us from a place of of being hidden and, and focused on the inside to now what God is doing is he's taking the message from the inside and he's moving us to a place where there's a strength outside. Yes. And I feel like God very solemnly in this moment is responding with a thank you to each and every one of us for giving of our strength. So Lord, we're thanking you, God, as we have sown, yes. as we have given, as we have placed our strength, Lord, into these baskets, as we have given our best, Father, we're asking right now that you would multiply the gift of what we have given. Lord, that you would cause our strength, God, to be multiplied, that you would cause our strength to be the catalyst that goes throughout this city and throughout this region and brings about the change that's necessary. Lord, I'm asking that for every dollar that's been given this morning, Lord, that you would multiply it, God, that you would cause our generosity to be doubled and tripled, Lord, in harvest for us, Lord, for our families, Lord, and, and for people who we love, who need to come into relationship with you, God, that through our strength and our gifts and our supply, Father, this morning, we're making the declaration that says, Lord, we're stepping into this new season of what you're doing, God. We're stepping out into the light to being, God, those people, those men and those women, that city that's set up on a hill that men and women will run to. And so now, Father, prophetically, Lord, we declare, God, over this house that and to Fort Erie and to the surrounding areas that we are open for business, Lord, that our doors are open wide for the lost and for the searching and for people who are desperate to find you. God, this morning, Lord, through our strength and our sacrifice, Lord, we declare, Lord, that it would be multiplied in lives forever changed, Lord, for family members and sons and daughters, Lord, for mothers and fathers and neighbors and relatives and cousins. Lord, for those lost people who we love in our lives, Lord, God, as the doors are being flung open wide prophetically, Lord, we declare that there will be such an influx, 
such a surge of people running to this house, God, because they know this is a place of love and acceptance. It's a place of community. It's a place of strength, Lord, that you would cause, Lord, the name of Light City to be known across this area and what you're doing in this place. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.